I'd like to read one verse tonight. It's the verse here, right to my left, your right. So if you don't have a Bible, you can just pan uh, your gaze there. Uh, and we're going to read those words that are, are there. They're from 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15. Um, verse maybe that for a lot of people here was one of the early verses that we memorized in our life. So uh, for many, known to memory, uh, and yet tonight, uh, these are words uh, that could lead you to salvation. These are words that are unbelievable. And so we'll read them here tonight. First Timothy 1 and 15, this is a faithful saying. That means trustworthy. It's trustworthy and worthy of full acceptance, acceptable by all. And these are those nine words that are faithful and worthy of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Or sometimes it says of whom I am foremost. But just take it tonight. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says those nine glorious words and then he says, it speaks about me. It speaks to my heart. To What to God it would speak to your heart tonight too. Tonight what's before me is to look at this verse I'd like to talk about the fact that it's a saying. It talks about a savior. It mentions salvation. And it also is offered unto sinners. First of all, tonight we speak this because it's a gospel. If you've never heard that word before, if the only thing that comes to mind when you think of gospel is a, a fantastic choir or something from the south, you'd say gospel. That doesn't come from New Jersey. Actually, gospel comes from God. Gospel, good news, good news. You'd say if, if, if there's a hope of your soul being saved, of you knowing that your passport is stamped to heaven, peace with God, you'd say it must be good news. It must be acceptable, right? It has to be for anyone here to accept it. And it must be trustworthy. And if you have any other gospel tonight other than this, I would love to hear it because I, I've searched and maybe I haven't searched well enough, but I take it I have. I know of no other message that tells you of salvation that does not depend on you, that you cannot earn, that you cannot achieve, that you cannot deserve, but that God offers to anyone and everyone, anywhere and everywhere tonight on this great globe. It says the world. Tonight you're part of that. Good news tonight. Paul says not only that it is a gospel. He says it's my gospel, my good news. He says it's a saying here. That's unique because sometimes there are sayings and we say we know what they mean, but they're not true. You ever say that? You, you say things and you say, we know what they mean, but actually if you were to examine it, it's not true. A dime a dozen. I'll give you a hundred bucks. You bring me something tomorrow that you paid a dime for and you got 12 of them. I'll just get you to come back to the meeting. I mean, uh, you come back tomorrow. You tell me, right? A hundred bucks. You got to buy 12 things for a dime. You'd say, well, Dave, that's not what it means. But it's not true. But we know what it means. It means it's cheap, right? It's cheap. You say, I know what it means. But yet these words, you could say, you know, you could not only know what they mean tonight. You'd say they might be true, but they mean something to me. They mean something to my soul because it's just not a saying. It's truth. It's truth that guarantees me one day that whatever my future holds, that I will be in God's heaven because Christ Jesus came into the world to save me. He came to save me. And so it's, it's more than just a, a saying of this world that you'd say, we just use it to get a point to you. No, this is more than that. So much more. It's God's word. 
It's God's wonderful word. You'd say, uh, we, we, we often sing. I, uh, someone said it the other night. I think Matt did. He said, what's the hymn that all of us know? The hymn that everybody here knows. If you didn't even grow up in a church and I said, Jesus loves me, you could finish it. I was going to wait for someone too, but maybe you don't know this one. Jesus loves me, this I know. You'd say, oh, who told you? A grandma, a grandpa, a cousin? Now the Bible tells me so. That's the only way we know that. Bible tells me this saying. Bible tells me that after heaven and earth are folded up and flee from this place, the Lord Jesus Christ says, my word will last forever. I was reminded the other day of the French philosopher Voltaire, and he said, he goes, a hundred years after my death, the Bible will be nothing but a museum piece. And today you can visit his house. It is not a museum. It's a place where they sell the Bible. You'd say, wonderful, wonderful. It's not a museum piece. The Bible's been around for 2,000 years. Longer, you'd say. The Bible's been around. You'd say even parts of it have been around for longer than that. 4,000 years. 5,000. You'd say, and here it is. Heaven and earth will pass away. And it's as though God could say, my sayings will not pass away. My word is eternal. That you could place your trust on it tonight. And so I mentioned that. That this is a saying. That it's his word. And that you could take it tonight. You could take it for yourself. You could, you're believing someone's word today. Which one of us did not go through today and believe someone's word? We all believe today that the employee handbook said be there at 8. Right? We all believe today that... That, that, that it said, put it in the oven till 350 degrees for 40 minutes. We believed it, right? And we saw the results. You'd say, no, I'm not going to do it because I don't believe it. And so we'd never cook a meal and you'd be just like me. You'd say, no, but you took the words for granted. You'd say, you believe them and you saw the evidence. I tell you, there was a date in my life where I believe what God said. And I stand here as living proof tonight that God saves sinners. He saves souls. And he saves them, not based upon what you do, but he saves them based upon his son did. And Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. It's not only a saying, but it speaks about a savior. It speaks about a man, Jesus Christ. I'm not so foolish tonight to think that we don't all somehow or have not come in, in touch with someone who has told us heaven is a 10-step pro- process. That, that, that heaven is a ladder to be climbed. Heaven is a, a pilgrimage to be made. Heaven is penance to do, pennies to pay, prayers to make, preachers to visit. And yet I'm here to tell you salvation is not a what. Salvation is a who. Salvation is a man. I'd hate for you not to know that because I don't want you to be disappointed in what the Bible says. But, but heaven, heaven uses gold as asphalt. And it uses pearls for doors. Heaven's theme and heaven's glory is a man. It's not a thing. It's not, it's not what it is. We talk about mansions in heaven. I could care less if I had a little rolled out mat. My heaven is heaven because Jesus Christ is there. Because Christ Jesus came to save me. Salvation is a man. The Savior, it tells me. The Savior. And sometimes we say that he came to deliver. We say he came to pardon. And, you know, sometimes we use those words because they're good Bible words. But, you know, it doesn't go far enough because I've, I've known men who have delivered and they've pardoned and they've walked away and gone home. My Savior, he came to deliver. He came to pardon. He came to rescue and he came to save. But he came from his home and he came and he died. He died for sinners. The Bible says that. And, the, you know, the, the world tells me about great men. And how often we think about, I was looking online tonight, 
you try to find a list of 10 great men and you can't find the same list twice. It's Everyone thinks that there is a great man that they know of. But, but you think of some of the great men that we pay homage to in life. Men who we say have somehow conquered or set things free. Uh, reminded of Jefferson there. And he writes those remarkable, almost, almost uh, incomparable words, right? Uh, of we hold these truths, right? We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. But you know, Jefferson died. Jefferson died because of, because of, of, of too much waste in his blood. And you'd say, he found these truths to be self-evident. But, 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 but he was still captive to death. I think of a man, who is it? Uh, Alexander the Great conquers the known world, and yet he dies of a fever. The man who could conquer and you'd say was, was held subject to something so, you'd say, so insignificant. I, I think of men, who is it? Shakespeare, he conquers the English language, and yet he dies because he, he, he was sick. He decided to drink too much one night and got sick the next day. You see, these men, these men, Lincoln, you'd say, frees half the country, and yet his life, they're just taken from him in an unsuspecting moment. All these men, you know, they, you could tell me about men who have conquered, men who have freed, men who have come and they have championed as some of the best and most noble men amongst us, but they were all captive to death. They all died and they would have never had it that way. I present to you a man tonight. Christ Jesus came into the world. He did it willingly. He died. And you'd say, no man took his life from him. In fact, he says that in John 10. He says, no one could take my life from me. He goes, I lay it down of myself, right? I have the power to lay it down and to take it back. He says, I receive this power from my father. You'd say, what a significant truth that here, here is a savior. And you'd say, what is it? Why is it that some people are repelled by this man? Why is it that some people would say they would do anything but, but this man? Well, that's what salvation comes in. Everyone has a salvation. I'm reminded sometimes of what makes salvation so clear. It's what the EMTs ask you if you ever end up in an ambulance, which I would wish upon no one. But every time I've been in one, the first thing they ask you when you come to is they say this. Do you know where you are? First thing, they've always asked me. They don't ask me my name, my, my birthday. They say, do you know where you are? Maybe it's different for you. Maybe I just look more, more out of it. The EMTs, they say to me, do you know where you are? What does the police officer say to you when he pulls you over? Always says the same thing. Do you know why I stopped you? It's that humbling moment where you say, I've been told to be honest my whole life, but really should I? Do you know why I pulled you over? You know, those, are, those are humbling moments in life, whether uh, something happens to you medically and, or, or something happens to you with the law, and you're asked these simple questions that have profound truths. The Bible comes to you tonight and asks you this. If you were to die tonight, where would you be? Where would you be? Heaven or hell? God comes to you tonight and says, what have you done? He lets you answer the question. But oh, tonight that you would answer it honestly. Because this truth comes across in crystal clear language. And it tells you of a place you could be because of a man who came to the place where we were. Came all the way to where I was. He came just to where I was. This salvation, you say, so significant that he came to where I was. Christ Jesus came. 
came right to where I am, didn't ask me to move an inch, doesn't ask me to get my wallet out, doesn't ask me to, to overthink the situation. He comes to where I am, he says, where are you? What have you done? Questions that were asked from the beginning of Genesis, questions that will be asked when men and women go out into eternity, and I ask you them tonight because they're so pertinent, because Christ Jesus came here so that you would be there. He came to save so that you would not be lost. And he came, and it's good news, so that you would know it, and know it for sure, that he came to save. I think sometimes about being saved, and sometimes maybe we leave it off. We say, do you know how to be saved? Sometimes people tell me, they, I, I, in fact, I know Matt and I have a common friend. He's, he's close to both of us. And he actually, I can remember him telling other people how you could be saved, and he didn't have it himself. He didn't have it himself. And people tell me all the time, I know how. And yet I would ask you tonight, how is it someone gets saved? What is it? What is it? Is it, is it an emotion inside? Is it, a, is it a climax of thoughts? Is it the last step in something that if you come the rest of these meetings on the last night, we're going to call you forward. You're going to read a prayer. You're going to mention something. Repeat after me. How does someone get saved? I was reminded of uh, just uh, about a month ago, I was down in North Carolina. I was doing a week of children's meetings. And uh, I'm not going to go into details here, but I, I had to get a prop for my Sunday school lesson, and it involved going to a butcher. And uh, I went to a butcher. And uh, there, made in North Carolina. And I went to Coldwell's Meat. And at, you ever been to North Carolina? It gets really rural, really quick. And there I was driving down this road. I said, there's no shop on this road. And there I was. And all of a sudden, I pulled up to this, this uh, house. And behind it, I could see like a, what looked like a business in the back. I, went, I, I drove in with my Jeep. And I walked in. I had talked to the guy on the phone. But he didn't know what I was saying because I was from New Jersey. And I didn't know what he was saying because he was from North Carolina. And so I just imagined I was going to meet him. I said, this is what I need. He thought it was a little strange. But he said, I think I can do it for you. So I went to him, and I walked into this, this, this butcher, this meat market. It was nothing, I, you know, you wouldn't, I don't think I would buy something I was going to eat there. But I went there, and I bought it, and I said, I walked in, and I walked into the office, and uh, he went to the back to get it, and I looked on the wall. It was really, it, looked, it was decorated, obviously, 50 years ago. There was like five pictures on the wall. I saw a picture of the man who looked like his father. I saw another picture of one of the first trucks they had. They had a $5 bill frame, probably from one of maybe the first ones they got. And then high on the wall, the walls are about nine feet tall, I saw a Bible text, Mark 8 and 36. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The man come back out. I said, I'm going to try something. I said, sir, his name was Kevin. I said, if I can tell you what it says on the back of that text, will you give me that for free? He says, someone gave that to my, he said, daddy. But someone gave that to my father 40 years ago. He says, I've never even taken it down off the wall. I said, well, what do you think? He goes, oh, sure, sure, sure. So I said, I said, go get it down. So he got it down, and he's looking at the back of the text. I said, the back of that text says, Walter Kember, 1295, London Road, Sarnia, Ontario. It says, for by grace are you saved. And it says, do not resell. He goes, wow. <laughs> Did you a prophet? I said, I said, no, it's my grandma's brother who made those. 700 miles from home. There I see my grandma's brother. He used to make these texts. 700 miles from Sarnia, Ontario. There I see it on the wall. He goes, that's unbelievable. He goes, no one's even, he goes, some girl gave that to us 40 years ago. 
I said, I've told you about something on the back. I said, can you tell me anything about the words on the front? He says, I sure can. He says, my Savior said those words. I said, is that right? I said, how do you get to heaven? He goes, let me tell you something. And then he called me son. It was a diminutive term. He says, let me tell you something. He says, people sitting in church pews? He goes, a lot of them aren't going to heaven. I said, what makes you think that? He goes, because they think that where you sit determines where you go. It's where you rest that determines where you go. He goes, and I've rested on the words of Jesus Christ. He goes, and I know I'm going home. I said, that's amazing. I said, you don't know the man who made that, neither do I, but he comes from my family. I said, but I'm glad that we both know the man who said the words on the front of the text. We might not know the man who said the words on the back, but we both know the man on the front. You know, Jesus said in John 5 and 24, he that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me shall not come into condemnation, but shall have everlasting life. How about it tonight? You believe what the doctor writes on the prescription bottle. You do. You believe what the bank statement says when it tells you exactly down to the cent of how much is in your bank account tonight. When you board the next airplane at Newark Airport and the pilot gets on the loudspeaker and tells you where you're going, you believe him. And my friend, those are all human beings. How about tonight you believe not just the words of men, you believe the word of God. And the word of God says that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He came to save sinners. He saves and he tells us. He shows us at Calvary that Christ came. There God's love is demonstrated. God's glory is demonstrated as it never was nor ever will be again when a man outstretches his arms at Calvary and on a Friday afternoon in the year AD 33, the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me, died at Calvary so that I could be absolutely certain that I'm going home, that I'm saved. And the Bible says it's a saying. It tells me about a savior. It tells me about a salvation. But most importantly, it tells me it's for sinners. It tells me it's for sinners. Because Jesus Christ said in John 15, he says, I did not come. No, he says, he says I, I, if I had not come, if I had not come, he goes, then they would have never known they were sinners. They would have never known they had sin. He says in Luke 5, he says, if I, he goes, I did not come to call the good, but sinners to repentance. If those are true, if he didn't come for good people, if he didn't come for good people, and if he came so that people would know they were sinners, I want to know this. Why up and down our streets are individuals trying to be good, trying to be better, trying to be more righteous. If Christ didn't come for the good, if he came for the bad, you have to explain that to me. You have to tell me tonight, if he came for the bad, if he came for the sinners, if he came for the ungodly, if he came for the unrighteous, I want to know why it seems like 90% of the world is trying to do a better job in order to earn their salvation. And salvation all along is for the worst, it's for the destitute, it's for the wretched, it's for the sinner. Because Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. If you had heard the verse for the long time, you'd almost be, you'd almost have your ear pressed up to the Bible if you could. If Paul was speaking those words in the letter to Timothy and Timothy was reading them, you would hang on who it was that he came to save, just waiting to hear who it is that he came to save. I remember in the eighth grade, uh, the eighth grade, we had a science project in biology and we all had to make a cell. And, and then on the last day of, of May, they decided to announce who the winners were of the cell project. Let me tell you something. In the eighth grade, I went to summer school. In the eighth grade, I was 30 out of 30 in my biology class. But that day, they announced third place. His name was Doug. I won't say his last name. And the second place was Mark. And they both were valedictorian and salutatorian. And they said, in first place, 
for the cell project. And I was thinking it could be any one of 70 kids in the eighth grade except for one, me. They said, David Zudemar. My mom made it, but they said, David Zudemar. <laughs> you say, it was the last name I expected to hear. You ever have that? You ever hear someone say something? You ever hear your name mentioned? You'd say, it's the last name that I ever imagined to hear. It was last on the list. When that verse comes across, if I were to hear it for the first time, and I were to know who Christ was, the treasure of heaven, and if I were to really know what this world was, which was just the, the you would say, the worst place known in the universe, and the verse said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save, I would have said, not me. I would have been honest. Just like I'm honest when the EMT asks you, where are you? And I would just say tonight, there was a time in my life you said, where am I? I would have said, I'm on my way down to destruction. What have you done? I've done all things wrong. And yet the Bible, I could have never believed it if you told me it. And you should never believe it if I told you it. But the Bible says, this is a trustworthy saying, worthy of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save you. Paul says, it was me. It was me. It all of a sudden becomes so personal to him. He says, it's unbelievable to think this. It was me. It was me that he came to save. I've said it on nights past. The night, the day that Christ died, he, he, he knew your name. He knew everything about you. He, he, he could have told you your hair color. He could have told you, uh, as, as it were, the, the life progress that you would have made. He could have given you details that would boggle any mind. But most importantly, he knew every single one of my sins. And there when Christ died, he died for them all. And tonight, the question for you is this. Will you take God at his word? Because you weren't there at Calvary. Would you take God at his word? that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Will you put this in the filing cabinets of sayings that are nice but not true? Or tonight, would this be good enough to be your gospel, as Paul says, my good news, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners? No more glorious words than these nine. I don't know of any other words I'd seek to tell you tonight. We speak from so many verses, and some nights you get down and you'd say, I won't know if I was clear enough. I could have just read those words tonight and sat down. They're as clear as crystal. They're as plain as could be. They're the most profound words that we know of. But the man Christ Jesus came into the world to save you. You could believe that tonight, and you could be saved. Thanks for being with us tonight. If you have your Bible, we're going to read a few verses, and the first one is in the Old Testament, in the book of Psalm, in chapter 14. Psalm, in chapter 14. Psalm, in chapter 14, and verse 2. It'll be interesting to read verse 1. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Now verse 2 is the one that's on my heart tonight. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. Now I have mentioned uh, in previous nights 
there's always a word that I'm going to speak about perhaps here, but there is a word in this verse that you're going to hear in just a couple other verses as we, as we read it together. So those of you that are younger, if you're taking notes, just pay attention. There is one word that we're going to speak about in this uh, section here. So Psalm chapter 14, verse 2, we just read together. Let's look at the Matthew, the first book in our New Testament, Matthew and chapter 6. First book in the New Testament, Matthew in chapter 6 and verse 33. Jesus is speaking here. And he says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So we read those words in Psalm to see if there are any that did understand and seek God as God's looking down. And now we see Jesus speaking to man and he's saying, but seek you first the kingdom of God. Now let's look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter five and verse eight. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Last reading is in the book of Luke and chapter 19. Luke's Gospel in chapter 19. And verse 10. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and chapter 19 and verse 10. Jesus is speaking again here. Luke's Gospel, chapter 19 and verse 10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. It's interesting when you read those words, if you were to look at the book of Matthew, the Lord Jesus Christ would say the same words, but he would say, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. And there's a difference. Uh, That In that section where Jesus says he's come to save that which was lost. He's speaking about children coming to him, perhaps not tainted with sin and tainted with the callous of sin. But here in Luke chapter 19, Jesus is speaking to a man who's, who's lived a little while, a man who's, who's, who's callous maybe to sin, a man who, who's, who's experienced sin in his own life and has the burden of sin. And Jesus is saying that he has come, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And that's what he's saying here to this book, to this dear man, Zacchaeus. So tonight, if you're taking any notes, uh, we're going to speak about three different seeking in scripture. And number one, the first seeking that we'll talk about is how the enemy or the devil or Satan himself is seeking whom he may devour. The second one we're going to speak about is how the sinner is either seeking their own interests or the interests of God. And then the third one we're going to speak about is how God is seeking to save them that are lost. So just with God's help, let's just dive right into this. If there's a verse that I'd love for you to memorize tonight, a verse that I'd love for you to never forget tonight, never forget these words that Jesus says to Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, for the son of man, Christ, is come 
to seek and to save that which was lost. And as we present the gospel, the, the good news, the, the best news that's ever touched planet earth, the message that I accepted at 22 years old as a wretched sinner, I accepted that message of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died on a cross, he, he was buried, and he rose again the third day, and he paid for my sins. That message, I just trust today that there's a moment in your life that you realize, perhaps it's tonight, that you're lost, and you need a savior. Because if you realize you're, you're lost, you're lost in your sins, and you need a savior, Jesus says that he's the son of man that's come to seek and to save them that are lost. Uh, you, you can't get saved without realizing you're lost. It's impossible, actually. Uh, there was a dear lady that um, I was driving from Montvale on the way here ye- uh, yesterday, and uh, I came to a light, and in front of me there was a, a nice Porsche. I was watching this car and sort of admiring, I'd love to have one myself. And so the guy took off, but as he took off, he went left, and uh, in a driveway, there was an older lady that had backed up into the driveway, and she started waving to the Porsche, and uh, like, like, come over here, you know, which was, which was odd. I thought maybe they were friends. And that Porsche just took off and flew down the street. And so I stopped, I looked both ways, and I took off a little bit, and she waved to me, and she said, come here. And she said, I need help, help. Her mouth said help. And so... Uh, there's two things that went through my mind, you know. It's, I'm busy, and I need to go. And then the other thought came into my mind, like, you know, the verse that says, um, him who knows to do good and does not do it is sin. And so, and then I also thought, this is someone's grandmother, and she's sitting there. She's very nicely dressed, and she's sitting there in this driveway, and she's saying she needs help. So the right thing to do was to stop. So I dro- kind of drove past her. I pulled into a driveway, backed up, and uh, she, she drove right up to me, put her four ways on, blocking all traffic. And so I ran to her, I wonder, I said, is everything okay? And she said, oh, my life's a wreck. I didn't know if it was one of, me, one of those stories. Or, okay, but she said, my life's a wreck. And my best friend, just yesterday, I was enjoying coffee with her and just having a good time. And she died. And she's at a hospice. The address is, it's called Villa Marie uh, Claire Hospice. And I just got the call. And I need to show up there. And, and uh, I said, do you have a GPS? And she said, I don't have a GPS. And her car was an older car. I said, let me grab my phone and put it in my phone. What's the address? And she, she had the address, 12 West Saddle River Road. And, I, and I, I said, would you mind just following me to get to this location? <laughs> and it was just like a block. I mean, she was here. All she had to do was go straight, left, left, and she was there. And sure enough, she found her destination. But here's something that struck me as I drove off. It was this. And Brother Dave mentioned it really just to humble yourself and really admit where you are. And she was saying, she was saying that her first words right out of her mouth, she went, I'm just having a bad day and I'm lost. Lost. Like she had no hope. She was in someone's driveway that she did not know. And she was trying to go visit uh, a deceased individual that was one of her best friends. She is lost. And God today wants to work with lost people. He is seeking to save them that are lost. It would have been foolish for this individual if I would have pulled up the car and said, what's the matter? And she would have said, I am lost. And I would have said, give me the address and follow me. And she would have said, well, I have it my own way. You know, she'd been searching over an hour and a half to find this particular address and just doing circles in the wrong neighborhood. She was lost. And when God looks down from heaven, God says that if you're not saved, you're lost. And God says that our sins will never enter heaven because we are lost. We are separated from the God of heaven. We can't enter heaven with our own sins. And that's why God looked down upon this earth to see that if there's any that does good, and God says there's none that doeth good, no, not one. And God sent his son who did good 
who did flawlessly good, a sinless sacrifice to be the substitute, to be the payment for your sins. So the message today really here is that we are lost in our sins and Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Jesus, like he told Zacchaeus, says those words, for the son of man, he's speaking of himself once again, for the son of man has come to seek and not only to seek, to save them that are lost. If you were to patrol the, uh, I drive, I do a lot of travel just here in the country, but we go to Washington every year and there's sort of the Oregon coast. And I spent a year in Hawaii last year and there's the coast and there's something very familiar. If you spend a lot of time near a beach, there's always those orange or those red helicopters and some are different color across the country, but it's the U.S. Coast Guard. And so whether you were in Hawaii or the coast of Oregon or you're down at the shore here, uh, you, you would see these helicopters going over. They're looking for a few different things. Some are looking for sharks. Some are looking for people that are swimming out a little too far. But really what they're looking for are this. People that are lost. People that are drowning. People that have no hope. And they're searching. They're on a search and rescue mission. And I love their motto. If you look at the U.S. Coast Guard, uh, this is what they say on their, on, 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 uh, as one of their mottos. This we do, this job we do, so that others may live. This we do so that others may live. And can I just tell you something just very plain and simple? Uh, and it's this. God did something so that you could live. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save them that are lost. And God looked down upon a world that was ruined. And for when we were yet without strength, Romans 5 tells us, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He did something so that you and I could live. And it took the Son of God to die on a cross for you to live. And he died. He was buried. And he rose again the third day. Uh, if he would never have rose again, we'd have nothing tonight. We wouldn't have a message. As a matter of fact, this tent would be packed up and we'd just go home because there's nothing there. It's a good man who died. This was the son of God who died and he was sinless and he was spotless. And the Bible says he's led as a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before shears is dumb. He opened not his mouth. And when man spit on him, he opened not his mouth. And when they opened his back like a plowed field, he opened not his mouth. And the only thing that you hear from the Lord Jesus Christ out of the seven cries of the cross, the one that I find most touching to me is this, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Just a cry of mercy as God hung over the place called Calvary, as angels hung over the place called Calvary, and God is watching his son fulfill for the very first time in all of time and all of eternity the work of salvation because he has come to seek and to save them that are lost. So let's just look here. With just time is fleeting, but I just want to look at these words that we read together in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 because it says this, your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Uh, the same devouring here, that word devour, would be describing the same devourer, the consuming that God had with the Red Sea when he, when the Egyptians were pursuing and the Red Sea and, and God consumed them. He devoured them. The enemy is seeking to devour individuals. He loves running after the soul. There's, there's a fight for the enemy to have your soul. And there's a fight for God to have your soul. God is seeking to save them that are lost. And the enemy is seeking. And he's trying to destroy. And it says he tries to destroy. There are three different things. When Mr. Graham, Billy Graham was asked this question, I was writing these down. They were excellent. But you can develop these a lot more than this. But I'll break them down into three sections. Uh, the enemy attacks the flesh with immorality, with pleasure-seeking, with destructive habits. The motto today in the world, and you know it as well as I do, uh, whether it's in Harrison School back in Chicago, or it's in colleges today, or, or corporate events, it's this. This is the motto. If it feels good, do it. If it feels good. Uh, if it feels right, do it. And God says it's sin. 
And so it's very simple. So he attacks the flesh, our immorality. He attacks the mind, our evil thoughts, our anger, our wrong motives, our jealousy. He attacks us spiritually. He gives people doubts. He tells people that maybe God doesn't love you or maybe you're not important to God. Listen, friend, you're the most important being that has ever, uh, as God looks down, you're the most important being to God. Why? You say, well, how do you know? Well, he sent his son to die for your sins. There's no man that would ever do that for you. I, I wouldn't give Harrison for any, anyone. And God looks down upon a world, and the Son of Man has come to seek and to save them that are lost. And if you look at the book of Job in chapter 1, and also uh, Job in chapter 1 and verse 7, and also Job in chapter 2 and verse 7, you would see uh, the same words used here as God is saying to the devil. He's saying, really, whence comest thou? But he's not asking him where he has come from because God knows everything, past, present, and future. But he just wants the devil, and it's interesting, the devil actually tells him where he's come, but God already knew where he came from. <laughs> but listen to the words that he uses here. You talk about, well, is the devil really trying to attack me? Is he really on this earth trying to do things? Well, here it is. God says, from whence comest thou? The devil says this in chapter 1 and verse 7 of Job and chapter 2 and verse 7 of Job, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And he's always on the hunt. And he'd love to get your mind. And he'd love to have your, perhaps sitting in a gospel meeting like this, listening to the gospel, but your mind is somewhere else. And he's attacking. And he's attacking the heart. And that's what the enemy's doing. He's constantly on attack. One preacher said these words, that there are two sworn enemies to the soul. He said this, uh, number one sworn enemy is yesterday. Yesterday claims it's thousands. There are individuals going through this life, and they're looking back at all the sins of yesterday, and they're wondering if God could ever forgive all the sins of yesterday, and they die outside of Christ, and they perish. He said the second sworn soul is tomorrow. So there's yesterday, and then there's tomorrow. That's the second soul's sworn enemy. Tomorrow claims it's ten thousands. There are individuals going saying, listen, I've heard the gospel. I've heard of Christ Jesus died for sinners. There's some young people that Brother Dave mentioned, and they can explain how to be saved and on your way to heaven. And yet they wait for tomorrow, and they perish. And the writer said, the preacher said, he said, and the mocking voice cries out, too late, too late. You leave time, friend, and enter eternity, it's too late. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save them that are lost. And the enemy would love to whisper this lie into your mind tonight. Get saved. It's a great message. Get this matter right with God. But tomorrow, not tonight. And the soul puts it off. And they keep putting it off. And they keep putting it off. Just listen to that, those whispers, those lies. And they perish outside of Christ. Let's look here with the sinner seeking. The sinner is either seeking God or the world. We learn together here these words and these, this scripture. Seek ye the Lord. While he may be found, call ye upon him while he is near. We read together Psalm chapter uh, 14 and verse 2, and I'll quote these words. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any that did understand and seek God. Can I tell you today that he is seeking to save them that are lost, and he is looking for a sinner that is seeking a sinner that wants to be saved, a sinner that has felt the, the condition of being lost, the condition of drowning in their sins. And he has the handout, the, the word of God says that Christ there on the cross, his hands outspread and he's dying for sinners. That's what Jesus is telling Zacchaeus. The son of man has come to seek and to save them that are lost. And one might ask the question, but you don't know my sins. I can tell you this, they were all put on the person of Christ and he died for your sins. Some might say to me, God won't take me the way I am. Maybe you have some dark sin tonight. Can I tell you that uh, the work I do in Chicago, there isn't something that I've never heard. Like, there's nothing that shocks me anymore. 
I've had individuals, uh, when I work with homeless people in Chicago, I've had individuals confess murders to me 50 years after it happened. I'll never forget it. He was 80, and he sat in a chair, an older gentleman, and he started to confess something. He didn't have to confess that to me. He had already trusted Christ. He just felt bad about what he had done, and he started to break and weep, just like a little man, a, a little boy. Sin, it's done so much hurt and so much burdens, and he had once placed it upon the cross, but for some reason he felt he had to announce, listen, do you think God can't save your sins? Because he can. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save them that are lost, and God would take you just the way you are. Billy Graham's daughter, uh, had a situation in a relationship and um, Mr. Graham and his wife explained to her uh, she shouldn't marry the individual that she was marrying. She was in love with this guy and um, she didn't listen to their advice and she went off and she married him. And within 24 hours, so younger ones, listen to your parents. So, I mean, but within, I'm not saying this happens all the time, of course, but within 24 hours, this is what happened in this situation. In 24 hours, she was scared for her life because the man she had married was a different person when the ring was on. He was a sociopath. And within 24 hours, she was scared for her life. You know, she didn't call her parents. She drove straight home, two hours. She fled from this man. He was a monster. And here's the touching part that I find is Billy Graham had been sitting in his driveway waiting the whole time. And she came into that driveway broken. And she got out of the car and she went to say, Dad, I'm so sorry. You were right. And he gave her a hug and he said, don't, don't, it's nothing. Just I love you and welcome home. That's it. Can I tell you today, if you went to God just the way you are, I'm sorry, I'm a sinner. Thanks for dying for my sins. God would say, welcome home. Sins forgiven. It's beautiful. That's the message of grace. God came in. What did we read in Jesus, about Jesus as he says to Zacchaeus? For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save them that are lost. So the enemy today is seeking to destroy. The sinner today is either seeking his own motive, seeking his own interest, or he's seeking the interest of God to get to know who God is, to get to know who Christ is. And they're looking through scripture perhaps to find out how for sure can I know that I'm getting to heaven. But notice in that verse in Psalm chapter 14 and verse 2, it said not only that He's looking for people who are seeking God, but it says that the Lord looked down from heaven upon men. And he's seeking. And he's trying to, to get people's attention. And perhaps the attention is through the preaching of the gospel. Listen, if it's your first time here tonight, this is not a coincidence. God doesn't have coincidences. It's, it, there's a reason why you're here tonight. And you're listening to words of scripture. You're listening to perhaps the first time you've heard that Jesus says he's the son of man who's come to seek and to save them that are lost and to work with sinners and ultimately to go to a cross and die for sinners so that you tonight could have eternal life and know for sure that your home is in heaven. See, I have no question about where my home is as far as it being in heaven. It's not because anything I've said or Dave said or the church that I grew up in told me. It's what God told me. He that believes on the Son, I came to trust at 22 years old, has everlasting life. John chapter 3 and verse 36. And Jesus is saying here, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save them that are lost. I don't know if you have these billboards out here, uh, but I can tell you in Chicago and the Midwest, we have a lot of billboards and even on the West Coast. But I was noticing some of these statements because God uses anything. Uh, God used a donkey in scripture, quite frankly. And so he's trying to get man's attention, whether it's with... Uh, um, creation or and so but listen to these things as these are billboards literally i had a brother-in-law who got saved and he told me matt when i heard the gospel when i heard the word of god it was like a billboard and it hit me and i came to trust christ but listen to what it says here on this statement on 855 for truth listen to these words as these billboards are placarded all over different highways beyond reasonable doubt these words jesus is alive and it's there 
And thousands of cars go by this sign every single hour at some of these places. Jesus is coming soon. Another billboard. Life is short. This is on 855 for Truth. These billboards. There's an organization that pays for this. Life is short. Eternity isn't. Signed, God. They're billboards. And they're, they're everywhere. Avoid hell. Repent. Trust Jesus today. One said this. Feeling lost? My book is your map. Another one said this. Big Bang Theory? You've got to be kidding. God. But they're, they're billboards, and, and they're there to get your attention. And God today, forgetting billboards, God wants to get your attention. And Jesus is coming to seek and to save them that are lost. And he walked through a world that was filled with sin, yet he did no sin. He healed people that were filled with sin, and yet he did no sin. He was able to touch a leper that was filled with leprosy and a chronic illness, and yet he never became a leper. And he healed that man from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And Jesus is coming to seek and to save them that are lost. Do you believe that? Because if you believe you're lost tonight, you can be saved. I've never met anyone that uh, didn't realize they were lost and then got saved. I was on a boat with uh, Brother Danny back in Arizona, and uh, the sky was absolutely clear. It was perfect conditions. And if you don't know, it was like last night. It just hit like a flash flood. But it was perfect, and we were fishing, and uh, he had a little battery in his boat, and I was worried for water to ever hit it because we'd be electrocuted, or I thought that we would be. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the sky got pitch black, and it started to rain. In Arizona, not only rain, it hailed. What happened? It wasn't until we actually said to each other, listen, we're lost, and we need a lot of help. We could have sat there and laughed, thinking, like, well, what's all this about? But until we said we were lost, and we could hear Christ saying, if you're lost, yell out so we can actually hear you and send firemen over to the lake and actually get you. We had to admit one thing. If we would have sat in the lake just the way we were, we were <laughs> I wouldn't be here today. We had to admit we were lost. And I was lost. And I needed absolute help. And someone saved us there that day. Friend, today, listen. The Bible says this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him. That's the person of Christ. The iniquity of us all. We are like sheep, the Bible says. Hundreds of years before Christ ever came, Isaiah is writing these words. We're like sheep that just go astray. We do our own way. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the ends there are the ways of death. And we're just scattered around near cliffs and near danger. And it says Jesus has come to seek and to save them that are lost. Matthew chapter 6 said this as Jesus is speaking. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Sometimes we're passionate in the gospel. Or energetic. One might ask, oh, why is that? Well, there's usually a couple of reasons, but one, we love, we love souls. Two, we love the person of Christ. Three, we realize this solemnity as we stand up here, that if you left time, because you're going to someday, and you enter eternity without this person, Christ, the Bible says you're lost, and you're lost forever. And you'll either take him as your savior today, or he'll be your judge in eternity. That's from scripture. I'll close with a story. In the 1800s, in a western town, there was a horse that um, was spooked. There were kids playing. The horse was spooked, and the horse flew down the street, in the little dirt streets of this town. And um, what no one knew except one man was that there was a young boy sitting in the wagon of the horse. He had been goofing around as well, and his other buddies had been hiding. And he's sitting in the wagon thinking everything's okay, and that horse is spooked, and that horse takes off at full gallop. And there's one man on the side of the street, and he sees everything. 
And the man knew where the horse was going, and he saw the horse turn one corner. And so the man uh, went to the side and was running through homes, and he was trying to catch up and hopefully just praying that he'd meet up with that horse and he could jump onto the horse if he could just slow down just a little bit and stop the horse from moving. And he did. And he stops this horse, and um, he saves this young boy. He stops the horse. The wagon's off. He carries the boy back to his parents in the saloon over there or whatever. And, and so anyway, years go by. And that young boy that, that that man had saved becomes a boy that causes a lot of trouble in that town. He's a boy that likes to fight. He's a boy that has a temper. He's a young man. And one night with his temper, he takes the life of another person. And so he's caught in his criminal act. And they shackle him. They put him in the local jail. And then they bring him before the judge. And as the young boy uh, walks and he stands before the judge, as he looks into the judge's eyes, he realizes this. That judge over 20 years ago was the same man that saved my life on a wagon. Now you'd think there's a relationship there, right? I mean, this man saved this boy's life. You'd think that the man would say, you know, we got to work something out with the law. We have to do, no, he had to be just. And the judge stood before him and the young man said to the judge, he said, listen, Sir, if I can just speak, the judge said, sure. He said, uh, you remember me. I was a young boy. I got stuck on this wagon. The horse is flying. You saved my life. You saved me before I fell over and got crippled or died from a horse. You saved everything about me. And the judge looked over at him. And uh, he said these words, young man, I quote, I came to you before as your savior. And I gave you the chance to be something good in society. You ignored that chance and lived according to your own rules today. And this is what I want to stress upon. I come before you as your judge, and I must hold you accountable for what you've done. I sentence you to death. Imagine his heart. His heart sank. It was over. One day that man was a savior, but when he met him there at the judgment seat, he became his judge. Friend, today, can I tell you that God has judged sin. God's son, the Lord Jesus, paid the judgment of sin on a cross God rained fire and judgment upon his son. And the Lord Jesus Christ died. He was buried just to give you life. And you reject him tonight. The one who's coming to seek and to save them that are lost. You reject him tonight. The Bible teaches that you'll end up in this place that we read about in scripture. We don't like to preach about it. But it is a place called hell. You'll be raised before a great white throne where everything will flee away. And he won't be your savior. He'll be your judge. It's not something we like to talk about. But it's real. It's from the word of God. I believe that as much as I believe that Christ died for my sins. And I'm going to heaven because he died. The free gift of eternal life. For the son, what do we read? The son of man, Jesus, is come to seek and to save them that are lost. Let's pray.